Welcome to Live Like an Acrobat. I'm your host, Shanae Stiletto, two-time world acrobatic gymnastics champion, USA Gymnastics Hall of Fame member, and Cirque artist. I'm also an advocate for RAIN. On each episode of the Live Like an Acrobat podcast, I discuss acro handstanding in terms of training tips, coaching, and I explore circus and acrobatic gymnastics competitive life as I have lived it from past to current, and I theorize on what the future may bring in these fields. On each episode of the Live Like an Acrobat podcast, I will bring you insight through my own experiences, which are rooted in a perspective built on social justice advocacy and how these important issues continue to intersect between the circus arts and acrobatics competitive world at large. On each episode, I have the pleasure of discussing these various narratives with a variety of fascinating special guests. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Live Like an Acrobat podcast. Please consider a donation to encourage the continuation and evolution of this podcast. The details of how to donate are located in the show notes. Please make sure to check out the circuspreneurblog.com for extended conversations and interactive content of each episode of the Live Like an Acrobat podcast. I am available for handstand private sessions and workshops through aerialfitbodies.com. And in a new announcement, I'm also a Circo certified trainer. Check out Circo.co, a new circus school online international platform where you can learn hand balancing with me and learn so many other circus disciplines from trained circ performers from all over the world. Check out my new vlog series, Think Like an Acrobat, which is available exclusively on Circus Talk as a pro series. It's offering pro tips to professionals within the circus arts industry. Episode two of Think Like an Acrobat is out now exclusively on Circus Talk. Become a pro member so that you can experience the brilliance of my special guests, this time focusing on the virtual planning experience by resourcing for yourself. And speaking of virtual events, For those of you seeking a virtual burlesque experience, I will be participating in the upcoming Marvelous and Melanated, which presents LA's Black Burlesque and Variety Artist Review. Follow at Marvelous and Melanated for show dates, cast, and ticket link. All details will be available in the show notes. Another virtual experience that is upcoming that you don't want to miss is Omnium. Ringmastered by my exceptional Live Like an Acrobat podcast episode 6 guest, the legendary Ringling Brothers, Ringmaster Jonathan Lee Iverson. Omnium is a bold new circus that celebrates uniqueness, strength, spirit, diversity, and talent. The link for tickets will be available in the show notes. On this episode of the Live Like an Acrobat podcast, I have the absolute delight of interviewing the artist responsible for portraying the iconic yellow and red bird characters from Cirque du Soleil's Mystere, Chris Fee. Christopher Fee was born and raised in the San Francisco Bay Area. Theater and acrobatics has been his life since he was eight years old. 
He competed in tumbling for four years, earning national titles. And in 2005, he was hired to help create the show Le Rev in Las Vegas by Franco Dragon, where he performed until 2010. For the next few years, he traveled and gigged across the world, finally coming back to Vegas in 2013 to join the cast of Cirque du Soleil's Mystere. In happier times, Chris can be seen performing as Yellow or Red Bird in this iconic 26 Years Young show. Please welcome to the podcast, Chris V. Because Chris V is a BIPOC artist or Black Indigenous person of color and also a member of the LGBTQ plus community, I asked him if he could reflect on how this has affected his experiences within the circus arts and performing arts world at large over the many years that he has been so exceptional in this medium. I thought it would be great to open this conversation with Chris, reflecting in his own words about his perspectives and reflections. Listen how he so elegantly communicates the profundity of his experiences. Although I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, I struggled greatly coming to terms with my sexuality. This was a time well before shows like Modern Family or Queer Eye existed, and I felt great pressure to conform to the norm. Additionally, my father is Vietnamese and my mother is Caucasian. While I think I look mixed, my Asian heritage is very clear. Since I was six years old, I wanted to be an actor, but I didn't see people who looked like me represented on screen. This was a time where the teen heartthrobs were Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Devin Sawa, and Rachel Lee Cook. White was considered the standard for beauty, with few exceptions. I was ambitious and hardworking, but my situation left me feeling isolated and confused. I booked Larev on my 19th birthday and moved out to Las Vegas to join the creation of the show. There was one other person of Asian descent in our cast of 70 and a couple other individuals of the LGBTQ community. Despite having recently come out as gay with the support of my now husband, my sense of self was still very much developing. The great majority of our opening cast was white, with a large group being from Eastern Europe. While there were a few degrading comments towards the beginning of creation, linking my lifestyle with dogs in a very intimate way, we all grew together as a cast and became accepting and supportive of one another. I wasn't white like most of my coworkers, but it bothered me rarely. I find the circus world, less than other industries, tends to judge you more based upon ability and less on ethnicity. It still is challenging at times in a culture where the Asian male is very rarely depicted as desirable, but I have learned to detach myself as much as possible from the idea that we must meet very specific requirements to be considered beautiful and desirable. I feel the world as a whole is slowly becoming more accepting of differences. And by the time I arrived at Mystere, I feel my sexuality and ethnicity was accepted and embraced without a second thought. My overall feelings from my peers and circus community is one of incredible support and acceptance. And I am so thankful to have grown up in such a loving and open environment with such beautiful people. Please welcome to the show the most beautiful, beautiful person, Mr. Christopher Fee.
Chris. Welcome to the show. How are you today? Hey there. I'm doing great. Good to hear your voice, Shanae. It's been a, been a couple minutes. Yeah, it has. I know. Since we've seen each other in person, since we've spoken, it has been a little while. And I'm so excited <laughs> to have you on the show, Chris. Yeah, you are you're so wonderful. You're such a lovely, beautiful human being and beautiful artist. Oh, and so yeah, of course. And we go way back. I just want to let listeners know. Um, we go way back. <laughs> 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 we competed together in acrobatic gymnastics and we were very little acrobatic babies. <laughs> we did. You know, you, I was, I think you were one of the first people I got starstruck over actually. Oh, stop. <laughs> did, you know, did you know that? I don't know if we've ever talked about this, actually. It's been it's been a little while. But um, yeah, because it was, you know, back in the day, I had just started. And you had not just started. You were doing amazing things already. And, um, and, uh, and yeah, I was like, well, that is, I haven't seen that sport before. But I want to do that sport. And I'm going to start doing handstands so I can try to do that sport. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, in, in, in a big way, it was, it was. It was amazing watching you. And this is before YouTube, right? So you were like legit. You're so amazing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sweet. And that makes me it's true. It's like it's like before YouTube, like either you see it in person or it just doesn't exist for you, right? And you were that in person for me, so it was great. I know. That's what I like tell like the younger like generations now. Like I actually just did something called Acro Companion and mm -hmm. you get to like different like acrobats like over generations and you know they were speaking a lot about youtube and you know me and arthur my former acrobatic partner we were saying well you know gosh if we would have had youtube <laughs> during right? that time like right? it, it, it changes everything it, it does I, I mean and, and not to diminish you know if you do have youtube like you still have to work your tail off but like just being able to see that things are possible and like see how they're like it, it does it's kind of a game changer i agree with you it totally is and i mean like that was my first experience when i got into the sport of acrobatic gymnastics too i was you know walking through a, a, a dance studio in you know with with my grandmother and i saw the sport too and i just you know i had never seen such a thing I'd never How old seen you it. At that time? I was I was seven, I believe. Yeah, I was oh, seven wow. and a half, like around around eight years old when I started. How How old were you, Chris, when I you started, started Acro? I did I did like recreational gymnastics um, on like a, a semi serious level, and then I didn't start tumbling until I was thirteen. Um, wow! And then I never I never competed in acrobatics. I just like I said, I saw the sport and I fell in love with it, but. I was kind of an in-between size for it. And plus Anatoly said I I was a, I was a good tumbler and, you know, I should probably continue with that. But um, that didn't stop me from stretching my tail off and getting the video from Nationals and watching you and being like, it looks like she's staying tight. So I'm going to try to stay tight when I'm trying a one-arm handstand. Yeah, all that. <laughs> so beautiful. And yes, yeah. we ended up sharing the same coach who is Anatoly Saladar. And he was a an acro sage. I feel like uh, Anatoly was very much, um, you know, like the acro Yoda for me. He <laughs> was such a like a peaceful, kind, very soft spoken 
brilliant acrobatic coach. And we also, too, competed with his son, Andre Solidar, who, mm -hmm. like us, ran away and joined the circus. Andre did Verakai before me for about five years. Um, I did Verakai yeah, after Andre did. And so, yeah, Anatoly is Andre's dad. And so that's like what a part of our um, our community. Did you compete at that time? It would have been it would have been ATA, right? It would have been. Yeah, so I competed in for ATA for I think maybe three seasons, and then I went to Anatoly's gym uh, for a little bit after that. But I, I think it was just three, maybe four. No, probably four nationals, I guess. Yeah. Oh wow! So you did? Oh, okay, so you did both when he was there, and then afterwards as well when he had his yeah. own his own gym. Yeah, yeah, I was at his own gym for just a bit, but yeah, the entire time I just I just did tumbling, and I was just a, an acrobatic wannabe the entire time. <laughs> 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 well, you, I mean, what you, what you transitioned into, I, you know, is, is really incredible and really remarkable. I love that you competed in tumbling. I actually always wanted to compete in tumbling too, which I'll tell the audience at a certain point when we were competing, um, acrobatic gymnastics and tumbling, we used to have our competitions together before tumbling, yes, before tumbling became its own entity and split off. And then we stopped seeing everybody that competed in tumbling and people actually stopped, I think, competing in both because people would compete in acrobatic gymnastics and then they would literally go over and wait a couple of hours and then they would that's compete right. in tumbling. That's right. And it, I remember it broke my heart when it split because like, I mean, competing in tumbling, you know, I, I, I did okay, but like really I was there to like watch the acro. <laughs> like that's kind of what I was there for. Um, so when it split off, I was like, oh, this is just a bummer. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, it was really sad. I I really missed it. I really thought that there was something so like powerful and unique with having it both. And like I said, like I wouldn't have been inspired to tumble in the way that I did had I not had access to seeing tumbling too all the time. And it was always so great, like being in the same gym and having the same schedules and, you know, being able to root for like, you know, different members of your team in different ways. And then it's like everyone mm -hmm. kind of disappeared because we didn't have like that same connection. But I have to say, I did I did a couple of whip passes, um, which are backhand yeah. springs with no hands uh, for, for listeners, and those were you know those were some of my some of my favorite days. But I <laughs> I didn't take it as far as you did, Chris. I mean, obviously you were you know you were fully competing in in tumbling now, and and I yeah, it's 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 tumbling is just yeah, it's really it's really really brilliant, and uh, I I took it as far as I could. <laughs> Nice. I mean, you went pretty far the other in the acrobatic direction, so I feel like you got nothing to nothing to feel uh, like you missed out on or anything. <laughs> yeah, I I I, say, I stayed I stayed for me. I think I stayed I stayed mostly like you know in my lane. But um, it was it was also fun when we did try um, to push ourselves a little bit and do like a little bit more like complicated and intricate passes like yeah. when we competed. So that was also that was our nod to 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 tumbling days. But there you yeah. Go. I wanted to ask you, Chris, too. Like, do you do you stay um, on top of, of of the sport at all? Um, do you have what what you know kind of connection? Do you look in on the sport ever so often, whether it's yeah. acro, whether it's tumbling? Yeah, yeah. I don't uh, I don't follow it religiously, but whenever um, the big meets come through here, uh, uh, I'm in Las Vegas right now. Um, I'll go to a meet usually, and I'll I'll watch all the acro stuff. Um, tumbling, you know, not being quite as popular is. Uh, is the only way I follow that is by, you know, just watching the insanely 
awesome, talented people compete at the uh, international level. But um, but yeah, that's pretty much the extent of it. And also, our, our mutual friend Andre now is is a coach as well. So I'll kind of see it through his eyes as well, and um, and kind of keep tabs on his team. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you know, this year was so big for everyone because like all the competitions got canceled um, and a lot of kids actually couldn't yeah. even go into the gym for a really long time too. Um, I was just speaking with um, the founder of Acro Companion. His name is David. And in Belgium, they were on lockdown to do anything and they just opened up, I think about like a month ago. So mm-hmm. they were just able to start going back into the gym and like training with partners, um, which is, you know, again, for Acro partnership kind of everything. And it's everything yeah, so you can train as much as you can in your own I mean you know of course if you're even in tumbling it would have been you know if I, I wouldn't say easier but you're 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 by yourself but yeah with yeah. Afro, it's like you can't do anything if you don't have um your partner and um totally. I, lo- I, lo- I look in a little bit less yeah on tumbling as well too um mm. but yeah every single time I look in on it it's like wow like whenever I see like any of the passes or combinations that people are doing, it's just like really, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just like everything. Everybody just keeps like raising the bar and taking it to like all these it, new places and stuff. It's, but It's pretty, it's pretty incredible. And like, like, let's be honest, like I, I was good, but like, I was not close to, I was not close to what they're doing at the international level. Definitely. So yeah, they're, they're pretty nuts. Yeah, I was I also just felt really for them all um, during this period and not being able to compete. And we all know what it feels like to like be like locked out of competition and mm-hmm. locked out of having the opportunity to compete, you know, whether it's through injury or it's through uh, a national event or international event, something happens and it kind of like stalls your career. And I mean, obviously, like you and I have you know, a lot of compassion for them too, which is really important for the athletes that I was speaking to to understand that because they see that I'm still performing and that I was performing all the way up until the pandemic. You also uh-huh. too, Chris, like you perform in Mystere and you were performing all the way up until the pandemic. So I feel like for us, we totally understand what it's like to be locked out of having access to being on the stage and competing and <laughs> to having full access to like all of your physical movements that you're doing as well. I mean, because you actually, like you perform uh, really did, like big tricks in Mystere, right? Like I've, I, <laughs> you, yeah, you're not, you're not doing like simple, like simple, like, you know, backhand rings and stuff in Mystere. Like, you know, yeah. you're selling yourself a little bit short on that end, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, uh, yes. And it's actually been awesome because at, at Mystere too, I, I was able to be inspired and, you know, kind of, kind of nudged along by some international tumbling athletes. And so I, you know, I didn't do a, you know, double straight until, until I was at Mystere actually, I guess when I first learned that, but I've been able to progress pretty, pretty, I'm pretty pleased with how I progressed. Yeah. But it's, yep. I do a bunch of handstands, do, do a bunch of big tumbles. And then um, depending on the character, I'll, I'll be dancing quite a bit. So it's, it's pretty technical, but it's, it's got some playfulness and some frolicking about to it as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy there right now. Well, I was until we stopped, but hopefully I'll be happy there again soon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, can you tell, can you tell us what was your schedule like um, performing in Mystere? That's like the oldest Cirque du Soleil show, right? In Vegas. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been around for like 26 years now. So it, um, it's, it's Cirque du Soleil's first stationary show. So um, before that, they had like Nouvelle Experience, I think. But this is the first show of Cirque du Soleil where it's been, they've had a theater constructed for this show. Um, 
And for that reason, it's just inspired so many people. Like my my husband saw it when he was a teenager and it inspired him. Uh, he brought me to see it when um, when I was 18. And that's when I first saw, because this is, you know, before YouTube again, it's when I first saw a lot of these things. And, and I remember when I was 18, I, I remember thinking, oh, I would love to play that yellow or red bird character. Like one of those two seems awesome, which is kind of crazy. But um. But uh, yeah, it's been around for 26 years, and it's there have been some cast members that are have been there since day one, on the acrobatic side even, and um, it's just it's an incredible show for that reason, and it's inspired so many people. Yeah, you know, I have, I have met some of them <clears throat> that were in the show from its inception, and I also met some of the characters that some of the artists that cycled out when mm-hmm. they brought in kind of like the new overhaul of the cast, which they hadn't done for years. And I think it was like literally phenomenal for the artists that had been there for, you know, over a decade, actually, since the show first started. And Mystere was actually my first live Cirque du Soleil show. Like, oh, cool. It, yeah, it was. Um Sometimes people are a little bit surprised by that. I'm like, well, I don't know. I wouldn't really have any kind of expectation of what my first like Cirque show would be. Obviously, I saw different all the Cirque shows like um, on videotape back yeah, way, way back you, when. You never saw like Verakai when it came through the Bay Area or anything. Well, I saw all of those shows, but this was Not when the Steer came been. out before okay. that. So yeah, okay. so this was like after all those shows came out. So gotcha. the first like live show, yeah, because I was really young when I saw Mystere, and Mystere has been around for like almost older, like it's almost older than all of us. So yeah, um, I, like, you got to yeah. Girl, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. My parents like love Vegas and we always had timeshares in Vegas. Um, so okay. we like kind of had to go. And I know this is weird for people to think about parents taking their kids on vacation to Vegas, but there was a time when par- when Vegas was very kid friendly and it had yeah. a lot of things for families. And obviously for like the shows, when those started as well, those were like a big thing. And so my parents would, you know, take us to 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 see shows when 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 I was little. So it really mm-hmm. like yeah formed a lot of a lot of um, a lot of my um, ideas. And at that time, I was already you know I was already competing in in, in Afro. So yeah, it was okay. you know it just kind of coalesced and brought everything together. A sweet, mysterious connection that I have actually to the original production is that I was once offered with my former circus duo Realis to be the backup act for the Alexis Brothers, who are the super famous uh, hand balancing duo that you see in Mystere. And due to some background politics, <laughs> Apparently, it was promised to another duo and uh, felt like they were doing a kind of a coup in putting in me and my former partner into that position. So we ended up not being able to do it. (laughs) And now, back to my conversation with the red and or yellow bird, Chris V. too Chris like since you've been the yellow and red bird like these are very iconic characters I want to let listeners know like they're so iconic I mean it's really 
Really amazing. And Chris, you've been doing both since 2013, right? Yeah, I started I started as Yellowbird and then there was an opening for a for a backup for Redbird and um so I've been doing that for the past what is it? 3 years maybe? Cuz when I first started, I think that I think that a lot of the people there didn't know that I had quite a strong tumbling background. Um, mm. At the time, they were, you know, for the yellow bird, they kind of did a revamp of the character, but they wanted, you know, strong hand balancing and they wanted some good movement and dance. And then they wanted a bit of floor tumbling, but they had never planned on slapping me up on the on the faster power track. So um, when, when there was an opportunity and uh, what actually happened was they had a, a tumbling shortage and I'm like, I can, I can, throw a double pike out of you know a few flicks and they're like wait you 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 tumble and that's kind of how that started and so from that once there was a uh, an opening for the red bird um it was kind of a an organic progression i suppose oh that's so beautiful and that is a very unique combination like you are such a beautiful elegant and incredibly flexible hand balancer and you also can whip it up into the air (laughs) and you're also very elegant in the way that you tumble so you bring like all of those elements inside of both and that is that is very unique what was your i would say like your um what was the the creation process like for you entering into either one of those characters like i said they're so iconic and i would love to know like what was that process like for you chris like uh, coming to embody both of those characters yeah totally um it was a it was it was incredible honestly i i um i had already left uh, la rev which is a different show that i did and i i'd been freelancing and um when it came time for to to come to this character or I could be considered for it, I suppose that the AD at the time, David Gomez just ended up kind of cold calling me and saying, Hey, we have your stuff. We like what we see. Can you come audition? And so, um, from day one, David Gomez, um, was just incredible to me. He, he, you know, did some workshops with me and he knew that I had a, you know, a strong background in, in a bunch of different things and that I, I danced for a long time as well. And so he gave me a lot of freedom to, play and to and to explore the character honestly so it was really um kind of the best experience I could have hoped for because he said you know apart from being here for the handstands and being there for that handstand and you know doing the choreography here you can travel across the stage and you can kind of present whatever you want type thing and so through a dialogue with him we ended up getting to uh to the character that I landed at which um is just uh which is an incredible process. And I'm very grateful to David Gomez for, for trusting me with that. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's so amazing. I love that you had the freedom to explore in that way. Um, Chris, what is it like and what was it like, obviously, up until the pandemic, performing every single night with the in the same show with the same characters? Um, you know, I think there's something to obviously freelancing and being all sorts of different characters all the time. And then I also think there's really something to dialing into the same character or two night after night, especially in, you know, in an environment where it's huge audiences and in a show that is high, is very traditional um, in a lot of ways uh, where, you know, obviously you're not going to completely be changing your character, for example, like per show, because there's some performances that you do in some companies where you have even more freedom. You can literally change 
change like your character from like show to show. But mm-hmm. in a show that's like that's like um, mysterious, it's it's a little bit more static in that way. So how is that felt performing? Like, what is your schedule like in mysterious, and what does it feel kind of like? You know, going through that. Obviously, maybe sometimes it feels like going through the motions in some ways other days you're more inspired other days yeah. you know maybe you're you're injured maybe other days you know you're tired i mean i've uh-huh. gone through a whole gamut so but what is it yeah. like you? you know for 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 the characters that i play in mystere it's um i feel actually super super grateful because like i mentioned they um they do need to you know be here at this time and do that trick at that time um but um a lot of like most of the time i spend on stage it's there, there's no clear cut mark that you have to be. So, um, yes, it, you know, I, I had, or I guess I have been in Mystere for about six years. Um, it's, uh, but there are little things that change, um, every night really. So like there's a tumbling rotation that happens oftentimes. Uh, um, I'll switch a little track with a different character sometimes. Um, and then, so, and then besides that, there's just moving across the stage. And then of course, like, you know, if you're super tired or if you're super excited, or if you have a friend watching, that dynamic's going to change. Um, so yes, there are like static elements of that, but um, I can usually find something to be excited about and something to, to, to play with, honestly. And, and, you know, beyond that too, the, a lot of the other characters, they have um, different artists swing through them. So that one moment with the sperm auto character, it's like, gonna be different because your other friend is there and he's goofy or, or he's more serious or it's just uh so so yes there 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 is some repetition obviously but also i use honestly usually find something different and something to play with that that wasn't like the night before or even the show before so um so there's both but but yeah <laughs> how do you find like your level of concentration because like I said you're throwing some big tricks in um when you're doing your hand balancing you are very high up <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a little bit higher than I would choose myself perhaps <laughs> um uh yeah no it's um I well it's funny because on the on the fifth pole, we call it, because we have the four poles on the bottom, the four Chinese poles on the bottom. Then we have that fifth pole that goes up on top of them. And um, it's, for the fifth pole, it's, you know, they make it as stable as possible, but there is still quite a bit of play up there. Um, it's, uh, it does wobble a bit. So um, that actually is the one point of the show, I guess, besides doing a big tumbling pass where I'm like, all right, Zen breathe you've done this before you're gonna be fine type thing um but yeah it just it's you know if i'm nervous a bit before because it is a a solo moment and um you know people are watching me but um if i'm usually nervous leading up to it and then once i start doing the hand i press up the handstand and stuff i just i have to be concentrated so um that concentration for me comes naturally with being in that precarious position, I suppose. <laughs> I bet it does. When I was doing um, Verakai, you know, the very, uh, the entry, the um, dynamic uh, aerial entry, um, mm-hmm. for people that don't know that, you're in a kind of cocoon, and then you are, you are, you're, what is that called? Do you kind of, you, you, you come down. <laughs> I'll do more of a simple <laughs> phrase there. <laughs> descend, descend from the heavens. 
Thank you. That's a much better way to put it. You descend from the, you know, you know why I was going to say something else because they have a kind of crude way to say what we're doing. And so I will actually share that. In Barakai, what they would say is that you're actually in a condom and that you are being Ooh. released from the condom down <laughs> into your handstand game. Okay. Well, that, you know, that gives a certain feel to it. Nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually supposed to be a cocoon, but the yeah, there the are behind is there. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. I I almost couldn't handle it every single time. I, I I I every single time people would say it to me, I just would be like, "What?" But but it's 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 really high up, and you're upside down, and you're hanging there. And I don't do a lot of aerial work. I usually just do it like project to project. But in this specific drop, like how you are so high up in the steer, it was high, and you're upside down waiting for your cue. So you're just upside down hanging, trying not to rock back and forth waiting for your cue to be released from the condom and (laughs) like sometimes it would be um you know like one time one of my the strap the loop that I was in wasn't the right loop because you know tech wise something happened there and so I was like hanging upside down and I'm like this loop feels awfully strange. It feels very tight, but it just must be me. <laughs> I wonder Whoa. I wonder what's going on. So there would be all sorts of things that happen. But just to come back to your point, I t- would take a lot of double, triple kind of breaths waiting because mm-hmm. sometimes my cue would be a lot longer. Sometimes I would be preset um, a bit mm-hmm. like sooner than normal and hanging down and just looking at the crowd when you're like so many meters high was, yeah, it was something. And then remembering, oh, right, my music gonna start and then I have to like do something okay yeah. <laughs> that that happens sometimes Shanae it's like because I guess similarly I'm up there for maybe a couple minutes before I do the handstands and it's like it, it can be easy to forget like this is kind of comfortable I'm just I'm, I'm hanging out up here and ooh, you know but I actually have to do something really tricky so maybe let's focus <laughs> um, but yeah I, I feel you on that Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, woof, that I I I learned a lot, and um, I yeah, I learned a lot of good breathing on that, like what you're saying, some good techniques up there to uh, mm-hmm. to keep myself present and to bring myself back and to come back into my body. So that was that was good practice. But um, I wanted to also ask Chris, like, do you have um, a certain like routine? What's your routine like in preparing every single day for the show? Do you have a, a recovery kind of? Um, you know, routine that you do, especially because again, it's a very demanding contract. You're performing what is it, five days a week in in Mystere to be in, yeah, five days a week, two shows a night usually, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a big thing, and you're you know you're doing dynamic movements because you're doing you know high level tumbling, and then you're also doing um, you know uh, hand balancing with contortion. So how do you yeah how do you stay uh, how do you keep your body um, uh, hip warmed up and uh functioning and you know yeah i um i mean i think that every every artist if you've been doing it for a while you kind of you get into your groove so i'm sure i'm sure you have you know you have the set of exercises that that makes you feel the best and you kind of you kind of explore like okay well i want to warm up enough that i feel nice and ready but i don't want to warm up so much that i'm tired and so um i've been i guess in in shows since i was 19 so i at this point in time <laughs> i'm not 19 now i uh, i've kind of got it dialed in so i have usually a, a half an hour warm-up before each show and so i'll do you know i'll um 
go on the bike for a bit. I'll do my squats. I'll do my stretching. Um, I'll do my therabands for my shoulders. And, uh, and, um, yeah, so at this point in time, I've got, I mean, kind of to the exercise and almost minute, um, what works for my body and what's going to make the most sense for it. So yeah, I have my half an hour before the show. And then, um, I, I do a few passages, a bit of like, you know, a bit of like, I guess, super gentle tumbling sometimes. And then I'll have a couple minutes before I go up to climb, um, to climb the fifth pole for the big, uh, or for, I guess the big moment for yellow bird, the handstands. So, um, yeah, I mean, in, in a couple, couple minutes before I enter the stage for that number, I'll, you know, do some more squats, do some more gentle stretching, just make sure I'm, I'm, uh, not cold. And then, um, and yeah, kind of go at it that way. So half an hour warm up, few minute warm up before the act. And then, and then I kind of, I guess, cruise through the rest of the show. I'll have my five minute warm up before the tumbling act. I'll do some plyometrics some gentle stretching and yeah, I've kind of gotten it down to a, uh, to a routine where I can for the you know vast majority of times feel quite good with my body doing the doing the show so oh that's so brilliant what is the um what is the working environment like in mystere what are some of the other acts that are in the show and um yeah just for listeners what is it like you know um and yeah. of course it's a very international show very international cast Totally. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that what the experience is like with um relationships and relating with that yeah, the other castmates Definitely. Um, I mean, I've, I've got no problems with anybody at Mystere. I feel like, I feel like it's an easy cast to be in. Um, uh, although there, there are, you know, Mystere because of the, I guess, um, technical aspect of the show more than some shows, you kind of have some act, acts, uh, segmented into groups. So, um, so we have our, our trapeze act and they kind of have their own warm up time because their acts not till the end of the show. We have the Bonkeen act with, you know, the tumblers. We have um, the bungee act. So it does kind of naturally segment itself into groups. And I suppose these groups can kind of travel together as they warm up and then go on to the stage. Um, but there's a lovely cast. It's um, It was interesting for me coming in because I came in when Mystere was, what, celebrating their 20th year or so. And my only other experience in a big show like this was the Rev, um, which I did the creation for us. And I was, you know, 19. We were all super young and we all had this crazy bonding experience by, you know, spending 10 hours a day in the freezing pool and stuff like that. So it was a different vibe. Um, but uh, but everyone at Mystere is lovely and they're welcoming to me and they're kind to me. I suppose the one thing is that in um, coming into an already established cast, they have a lot of families. So I suppose your potential, um, the, the, the amount of people for you to really like bond with that had time for you, I suppose, were less than in some shows, but, um, but I've had a lovely experience at Mystere and, uh, and yeah, and, and there is still that, you know, that, that group of, of people to hang out with and spend time with and become family with. And yeah, it's been a lovely, a lovely atmosphere for me. Relaxed. Everyone does their job. It's, it's, it's nice. Oh, that's so beautiful. I love that. That sounds so fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it, it's good. I mean, I know in some, I've heard in some shows there can be, you know, quite strong viewpoints and differing opinions on things. And, but I feel like at Mystere, it's been, for the most part, pretty, pretty smooth sailing. And, and I haven't really had any problems with anybody. So yeah, I've had a good experience. Oh, that's awesome. That's fabulous. When do, have you heard anything in terms of when the show is going to be coming back? I was just reading like yesterday that 
They've started to maybe open up some venues within the next couple of months. I don't feel that anything will probably be opening up before the end of this year. But also, Chris, like what was the what happened when you guys ended up going dark? Was it was it a conversation that they had with you? How was that handled? And what were you told? And yeah, when do you think that you'll be getting back into your um, your characters? Got you. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, I guess I guess our governor here um, recently approved groups of 250, and then after that, we re- we got an email from Cirque actually soon after, and, and it said, you know, it it 250 essentially for the the running cost of of Cirque isn't really going to do it. We're not going to be able to break even on that. Um, so we're kind of still in a holding pattern. I mean, it's this situation is so new for everyone, to be honest. Um, so the company is keeping us updated as, as, as much as they can, but there's just, you know, there are so many things up in the air. Uh, I agree with you. I don't think that anything's going to be up before the end of the year. Um, I mean, perhaps a smaller, a smaller venue, but I mean, personally, um, I think, you know, end of the year at the earliest, but, um, yeah, when it, when COVID, or I guess when, um, all the quarantine started taking place, when our, our show shut down, um, it was kind of a crazy experience. I mean, it's, it's all of our artistic team did the best they could with the information they had, but essentially like no matter who you are, like nobody knows. So it's like, Hey, we're closing down. We don't have any information for you because we don't know anything either. Um, so it was interesting. I mean, it's, it's, you know, the United States choice to, to, I suppose, shut things down later on in the game than we could have uh, so to be diplomatic about it. Um, it's, it, we all knew at that at that point that COVID was something, but because you know, because our government wasn't addressing it yet, it was all, all kind of kind of crazy. So when we were sat down and we were told, "Hey, by our artistic team, hey, this is going to be our last show for I, the foreseeable future, at least the near future," it was it was jarring for everyone. I mean, there were so many questions. Um, clearly, we were all going to be out of a job, including the artistic staff. So it was it was a stressful time as, as I'm sure it was for so many people. Um, but you know, one thing that the resident shows and Cirque has done for the resident shows at least is we do have our, they guaranteed us health insurance through the end of the year and stuff like that, which is very kind of them. So it was a jarring experience, but we did get that one last show, um, before we shut down for a bit. And then we pretty much just huddled up and asked each other what we needed. So we're, you know, we're helping each other out as far as, you know, certain certain people are helping each other out with like housing situations and kind of just checking up on each other and uh and here we are and we're we're going through it together oh that's so beautiful i i love that you have one another and that you're supporting one another so you knew your last show like you guys knew like this is going to be our last show and then you went dark yeah exactly so we had a an an express tapis rouge beforehand in the house and they said this is going to be our last show for a while so it um I mean, it, I mean, COVID's terrible, obviously, but it does add a certain element of excitement, you know, good and bad being like, hey, this is our last show together for a while, guys. So it was almost kind of a crazy kind of fun, fun um, feel to the shows, definitely. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, I can imagine. I was thinking you probably just like threw all of, you know, your all of all of your passion like onto the stage. Yeah, yeah, it's for like, that, like, like, like what's going to happen. Let's go do a show together. I don't know. Cuz cuz also it's, you know, the the show schedule, it's it's you know, it's we can do it. It's it's maintainable, but it's like it's, it's a lot, you know. You you we have we have two one week breaks and one two week break. Um, throughout the year for resident shows, and so all of a sudden, this po- this not possibility, the reality of going dark for more than two weeks for a long time, it's kind of exciting in a weird way. I mean, obviously horrible the circumstances, but yep, we were we were definitely buzzing that show. I think, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, to speak to that as well, you know, I was just watching um, an interview with um, Misty Copeland, who I just adore and love. She is. Hmm just everything to me. And she was speaking about, and she, I think just revealed for the first time, right before the pandemic hit, she um, had a really bad back injury. And so she had just um, canceled out of a performance in Washington, DC. I can't remember which ballet she was performing, but, you know, in speaking about that, she was, you know, pretty much saying like, and this was kind of a blessing in disguise for her because she was already pushing herself to try to do her shows and her performances. And she was, Mm -hmm. you know, she was suffering and then, the pandemic hit and this has been a, a, a space for her to be able to recover. And I was just imagining listening to her, maybe she wouldn't have recovered in the same way had she still been going at, you know, the level that she's on to being, you know, New York yeah. City Ballet's principal dancer. So I think there's, you know, there was just so many things wrapped up in that. And I definitely spoken to other artists that have said, you know, this is the first rest and break that I have had in a very long time. And uh-huh. it was something that like, you know, a lot of, a lot of performers, a lot of people needed. I keep telling people, my family told me, you know, like your eyes look different because, you know, when you're traveling and you're constantly touring and doing all these different things, it mm-hmm. takes a different kind of energy from you too. You know, it just wears on you going into different time zones and, oh, you know, being in different places where you're unfamiliar and constantly having to check your bearings, being around people that you don't know. And so, mm-hmm. you know, they, they joke with me about that too, of like, your eyes have never looked, you've never looked so awoke. <laughs> oh, you, know, you never look so rested. What is the yeah, phrase that, that women say? I don't, <laughs> you never look so rested. So, yeah, I, right. you know, I can well, imagine you're, you're too. Good. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I don't you know how you could look like this. This is crazy. <laughs> um, <It's> amazing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it, true. Like, that is the silver lining. I mean, like, once again, like I would never wish the situation, you know, on anyone or the world, but, um, it, it's true on the other side of that. It's like, you know, people, there are many people, I mean, myself included that have been kind of at the grind for a long time. Um, and it, yeah, it's nice for the body. It's honestly nice for my mind at least to do some reflection and also, you know, consider like, you know, being an acrobat is not a profession you can have for your entire life. <laughs> so, um, it's been really great in a way. And like you said, reconnecting like with, with friends and I haven't talked to you in so long and it's, it's so great to talk to you. And, and uh, yeah, it's, there definitely is a silver lining to this mandatory vacation, I suppose. Or not, mandatory time off rather. I'll, I'll, I'll say. 
And I'm still, I'm super grateful that you got health insurance as well, that they made sure that they were committed to, to keeping that for you because yeah, a lot of people that lost their jobs, um, lost their health insurance. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's true. It's yeah, it, it's one. And I know, um, like clearly Cirque is dealing with some financial things, but that was a very nice thing that they were able to offer to the resident shows. So very grateful for that. Definitely. Yes. I mean, anything, everything. And that's precious. Something. I mean, it's not, that's not a small thing. That's a really. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, health insurance in the United States, it's <laughs> like, you know, like not having universal health coverage, which we could talk about another time. Um, yes, it, it is a big deal and it's good health insurance. So very, very thankful for that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Chris, like, how have you, how have you been keeping busy without performing in Mysterio night after night? Have you been performing virtually at all? Are you thinking about performing virtually at all? Are you coaching online? How, I know you said you've been, you know, dialing in, being able to have self-reflection. Obviously, you've been able to spend more time with your husband. Yeah, I've been having, honestly, I've been having a really fun time. I've been keeping busy. I've been, I've taken a break from performing for a bit. I'm, I'm resting my shoulder right now. I'm kind of, kind of resting a few different body parts that were, um, you know, slowly wearing and tearing a bit, but, um, I've been biking a lot. I've been hiking a lot, enjoying my dogs, enjoying my family. I went home to see my sister. Um, I guess I go home every few weeks and I help her watch her, uh, her two girls, my nieces, um, which, uh, whom I, I love and, and I'm pretty involved in their life. So I've been able to help out with that. And, her as well, like so many people going through, you know, unique work situations and not being able to work. And then all of a sudden having to work and having the kids still at home, you know, like her five-year-old is having to do her work online. Right. So um, been able to help with that. I've been rocking out my ukulele and singing my songs and, and uh, yeah, I've got a bunch of, bunch of different projects and I'm just enjoying it for what it is. <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's mm. so sweet that you're with your nieces and yeah, you able to spend more time with them. They're lovely, and it's yeah, and it's it's great too. Because like I said before, it's you know I'd go there before for a weekend, and now I can go there for a couple of weeks, you know, and really get some quality time in with them. So, um, so yeah, I've been I've been pretty good. I've been trying to steer clear of the TV for the most part, but I did watch this movie called Call Me by Your Name because my friend told me I had to, and it, it, it just broke me. But um, besides that, uh, not, <laughs> not, not too much TV time. But yeah, it's been, I've been having a, a good time finding the, the silver lining. Mm, beautiful. Well, in case you want to, and for listeners out there seeking a virtual performance opportunity, Empire Entertainment is looking for acts that have been crafted for virtual performances. So if you have an online, an act that has been adapted for the online experience, Send your promos to casting at the EmpireEntertainment.com. Uh, and it's, they are taking applications through February 2021. So, Chris, if you happen to, after you've rested your shoulder and rested all the other parts that uh, need their time, and you want to get back into the game virtually, then uh, Empire Entertainment might be the company for you. <laughs> Empire Entertainment sounds good. I'll definitely keep that in mind. <laughs> yes. I actually. Um, have been uh, dialing in and out of that too. So it's been really great to see, uh, you know, companies pivoting and figuring out ways to give access to the performance space. If that's somebody, if that's what somebody wants to do and artist wants to do, obviously I think mm -hmm. it's really important to show too during this time that we, not everybody is 
you know, performing. Not everybody um, needs to perform. Not, a, not everybody can perform, even if it's virtually. Not everybody's looking for the same things. Everybody is using this time um, for what is most important to them and that it shows up in a lot of different ways. So, you know, for everyone, it's not about making sure that they're on the stage every two seconds. It's not about even, you know, um, coaching virtually. There's a lot of different paths that everybody's taking right now, which I think are so important to hear about and to honor all the different mm. ways that we are imbibing this time because we're all human and we all have these, you know, different layers to our lives that are important. Like you said, being with your family and playing the ukulele. And I think sometimes too, even doing stuff outside of what you normally do is really like healthy and inspires you in different ways so that when you do come back and you decide to, you know, perform again in that same way or slightly different, however that happens for you, you know, like you mm -hmm. feel, you feel the desire. I know there's people that were maybe didn't have the desire to be on stage for a while and they're starting to actually feel it now. Like after six or seven months, they're like, you know something? Okay. I actually do want to maybe go back on stage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, space from, I mean, space from anything, like, you know, even, you know, space, like if I have a couple of days off from my dogs, my friends are watching them. It's like that space and then having that being reunited makes it, it gives you a new perspective and it makes it sweeter, I think. So it's similarly, I've, I've, yeah, I, I've, I'm more excited now than I was um, before to, uh, to eventually start performing again. Oh, that's so lovely. Well, to circle back around to your performances and to your residencies in Vegas, as you mentioned a couple of times, Chris, Monsieur was not is not your first residency, um, your first resident show in Las Vegas with, Cir with Cirque du Soleil, even though Larev was not Cirque, but it was an offshoot of, um, of its Franco Dragons company. He created many of the incredible Cirque shows that we see today. And um, he created his company, Dragon. So sometimes I still even just call it Cirque, even though it's it's Dragon. Mm. But it is a Cirque-like Cirque show. And it was, when it was created in its original creation, was my favorite show. Um, oh, it was, it was so unique when, in, in oh. the first couple years, definitely. Oh, it it's was... Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was like it was it was I mean, you know, I, I've talked to all my friends and, and, and directors and stuff. And I think that because while Franco Dragon, you know, did the creation for Mystere, for O, oh, for like you said, a bunch of the original Cirque shows, he's you always have a dialogue, of course, you know, between between you, between the different companies, the different parties. And so the Rev, I think, in the beginning, at least, was the first time that Franco was like, you know what, this is my baby. And so let's do whatever I want. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Um, so it was, it was, I mean, we ended up, you know, in the beginning, even before the world premiere, there were some, there were some really uh, complicated acts and, and it touched upon, you know, different elements of, of different aspects of humanity. And some of them didn't make, didn't make the world premiere because it was, it really was more of like a, a, uh, I suppose the European market would have embraced it more than, than the American market, but there was some serious stuff on um, in the beginning and, and, um, and yeah, there were some really, they, he, he, he dug in there a bit and he wasn't scared of, he wasn't scared. So the first couple of years, it was a, a super unique show um, or just, I suppose, different show than what it is now. Or yeah. I guess what it was until recently, I forgot that Larev closed for a second. Um, yeah, it's closed yeah. permanently. Yeah. Oh, that was devastating. 
Yeah. I mean, I left in 2010 and I, I thought that I had, you know, relinquished any ownership over it or really I thought that it wouldn't be a big deal. But then when my friend told me it closed, I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then like two minutes later, I was just like bawling. It was just a big deal. And, you know, in a lot of our lives and it, it, it changed a lot of our lives. And a lot of my good friends, like a lot of my lifetime friends I have because of that show. Um, but yeah, I suppose it had its time, Larev. Yeah, it did. And mm. you, again, coming back to how important Larev for you, was for you um, in your life and in your career, you actually, you suffered a quite traumatizing experience while in Larev where you suffered a terrible accident, Chris. Um, can you share yeah. a little bit about that and how it affected your career and your life overall? And obviously the memories that you have um, when you think about the show and your time there. I just want to start by saying that I believe that everyone does the best they can, the best with what they have. Um, this particular day, uh, morning, it was, we were at La Rev and it was a bit frantic. The, uh, we had a new director and people were scrambling to assemble these bungees from raw materials to present a new image for the new director. And long story short, the checks and balances that morning and the testing just wasn't there. So um, two out of four of the bungees snapped and my buddy and I fell like 40 feet to the stage. Um, I broke a bunch of things, my, my pelvis, my hips, my back among them. And um, and it was pretty gnarly, uh, pretty uncomfortable. I uh, was in a wheelchair for a while. I was had some nerve things uh, that weren't pleasant. But um, I would say out of the whole thing, the most difficult part for me was accepting that it, it, it had happened, accepting accepting the my, my reality now. So it's, you know, I feel like as people, as artists, we try... Uh, to push, we try to stretch, we want to see what we can accomplish. And I had done that for a long time. And I had finally found my limits. And I was ready to work within my, you know, my, my body's limits, flexibility wise, and, and otherwise, and then this accident happened, something out of my control um, happened that completely altered that like my, my body, my facility now is very different from before. Um, so that was really difficult for me. It's, it's, you know, it's our livelihood, and um, and my reality was very different all of a sudden. But I soon, well, maybe not super soon, but as soon as I could, I came to realize that, you know, like, would I prefer, would I have preferred the accident to not happen? Of course. Would I have preferred to have my more flexible, my more comfortable body from before the accident? Sure, absolutely. Um, but no amount of that was going to change anything. It's like, really it doesn't matter like well here we are what are we gonna do so i was like you know what i can't sell myself as a contortionist anymore so i need to diversify myself and get some different skills to make myself unique and marketable and so i hopped into my friend uh my friend johanna sapaki's dance class now, if you don't know johanna sapaki she is a force to be reckoned with she is in the community and she's amazing and a hero of mine so check her out but i was in her dance class and i'd never taken a dance class like this before i just you know it was a lyrical jazz. It was a beautiful song. I started bawling in the middle of it. Um, and I was like, this feels really good to move like this. I, I really like this. Maybe I'm a dancer. Maybe I'm a dancer. So I uh, got Johanna to write me a little mini scholarship program. She sent me to her old studio in LA to take some classes that she used to take. And so for about a year or two there, I took as many dance classes as my schedule would permit, um, which in turn made it uh, kind of an organic transition for when um, 
learning the red bird character popped up because he is quite damn heavy at times. So you know what? Maybe if if not for the accident, I wouldn't have jumped so hard into dance and discovered that I love it. And maybe things wouldn't have happened quite the way they did. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel like it's kind of all of our struggle as human beings to to do what we can and live in the present. So that's what I really try to embrace. And um, and I suppose that's what I have to say about that. Oh, and it's all our responsibility as aerialists to uh, know enough that we can check our own equipment and ask proper questions. And, you know, if we're going to ask it to hold our lives, we need to respect that and we need to know a lot and not be scared to, to speak out if we... Uh, if we see something that seems out of the ordinary. So there you go. My gosh, you, what you survived and went through and come through on the other side. And just, I mean, you are really magic, Chris, to come through that and being the person that you are and with your outlook and, you know, the way that you see things and you're such a light and you're so bright and, I mean, you, I, I don't think that anybody would ever even imagine that you suffered such a traumatic accident and event and in your recovery, continuing to be able to perform. And I can only imagine uh, psychologically what that put you through. And um, it must have been, like you said, incredibly sobering experience as well. But I just, I, yeah, I just think that it's phenomenal that you came back. And that you continue to be able to perform at such a high level. And even though I know you say that, yes, you did lose like certain like range of motion. You're just such a beautiful mover, beautiful mm-hmm. dancer. You're, you're so poetic the way that you move and the way that you flow and um, no one would ever be able to know. So I just think that speaks to the human being that you are. It's just really fascinating and um yeah and so thank you so much for sharing that i know that was um such a big yeah that was a big part of of your life and um i can imagine also too maybe you know going back and reliving that it's not something that you constantly want to bring up because it's not something that like defined you but i think definitely it was probably a pivotal moment in you and in your life and led you to different things as well in terms of exploration like what you said so i i feel like that's a a beautiful gift that came out of that. And um, yeah, with, uh, with, with Joanna, she's, she's, she's so beautiful. And um, I, oh, and it shows. So yeah, yeah. She's, she's a real girl. Yeah. Well, well th- thank you for saying that. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. And I feel like, you know, everyone has trauma, everyone has their things. And I feel like either, you know, e- either you move through it and you kind of choose to, to get past it as much as you can and you ch- choose to be optimistic or, or, you know, you, you kind of get stuck. So it's, it's, yeah, I've had a lot of support. I got super lucky. Um, but yeah, thank you for saying that. I, I, I I feel good. I feel good. I feel good about my body right now. So. Oh, that's amazing. Well, to pivot on to something a little bit more light, (laughs) we, we are both Bay Area Acrobats, which I yes, love. And you had the pleasure of working with Teatro Zanzani. I did. Yes, which was for many years a San Francisco-based dinner variety. Zanzani was also the blueprint for the palazzos that exist today in Europe. Uh-huh. And the founder, Norm, actually assisted in creating my my first circus duo act when I was on the 2004 USA Gymnastics Olympic Tour. So that was 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Norm did our first our Norm first Mango did your first performance. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He um he was he was he was a part of uh part of that creation. So I didn't know we had that little that little connection right there. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. It was when I was um I was eighteen. That's when we had just retired and Norm was part of the creative direction on the Olympic tour. So that's when I first met him and discovered Zinzani. How awesome. Well that's uh, cool. Yeah, Zinzani has so much personality and charm, and I just, I, I love Zinzani. So I wanted to ask, what was performing in Zinzani like for you, Chris? Oh, it was so lovely. Norm is just lovely. Rini over there is amazing. They, um, it's, what even happened? So when, when I, when I, um, so I was in the Rev, right? I had that big thing, and, and uh, so I, Actually, before the accident, I had been planning on tr- on trying to leave and go adventure and explore other things. And I'd already I had actually um, applied to Cirque and stuff like that just because I was, you know, young and ambitious and aggressive and wanted to explore and stuff, which is good. Um, but I uh, I so I ended up being in the rev a few more years than I wanted. But I finally left when I was 23. And uh, it's that, that's a scary thing to do. So I um I'd been there, you know, for five and a half years and oh. pretty pretty pivotal time in my life and, and all of a sudden, you know, I my 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 body was different than before, so I couldn't sell myself how I sold myself before. And um and so it was it was super scary. But uh as part of the all process, I of course reached out to my friends and um and uh and one of them recommended Zinzani and I didn't know Zinzani even existed until one of my friends mentioned it. So I went and saw their show. Um, and I just loved it. It's, it's, I feel like the, what they are able to create is super high level, but also there's a certain like grittiness to it. Like a certain, like kind of like vaudeville, like, like, uh, 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 not dingy is not the right word. Cause that's got a bad connotation, but it, it, a rawness to it that, um, is just so romantic. And so I, um, I've been knocking on their door for a while and uh and so I you know I kept on pushing them with with different material and you know it's 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 a very small cast they're like what on average maybe 11 or 12 people sometimes less but only a few of those are acrobats so some are singers some are you know uh, uh clowns or variety acts so you really only have a few slots for like somebody like me who is coming at them with you know an aerial act and a hand balancing act um but yeah, I think it took me all said and done maybe a year and a half. And what finally got things moving for me was uh, I did uh, this thing called the Moisture Festival in Seattle, which is um, which is a, a local. Uh, it's it's they provide very minimal compensation, but it's mostly just to get out there and to you know help explore, help share things. And uh, and um, and Tim Weiler ended up being there, and he uh, and it's right in their backyard. So, but working so that's how I first got in there. But working for Zanzani was just awesome and. You know, uh, Norm often creates new shows. I don't know how many shows they have. I know they have a few that they, you know, go back and do time and time again because they do their shows in like four or five month increments. But I was able to create a couple different shows with him. And it's just it's just such a a dialogue with him. You know, you 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 really do get to say things and to express your ideas. And so for that reason, it was just incredible. And I got to sing in most of his shows, which I love doing. It's, you know, my entire life was kind of split between musical theater and acrobatics. And uh, it was just a really magical, unique experience. 
Oh, I would love to hear you sing in your show. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, you don't have to ask me that hard. I, I love singing. <laughs> but it's, um, it's, uh, yeah, it was just, it was just great. And it's, you know, it's, it's a different format than other shows because it's three hours long and you have, you know, breaks for meals, but it's, it's so intimate to the point where, you know, on one hand, if you have a big, you know, rowdy group, it can be quite disheartening at times if you're trying to present something more serious, you know? Um, but on the other side of that, if you have somebody that like is really paying attention and you see their face and they're like two feet away from you and they're really enjoying and they're listening to what you're having to say, it's really beautiful. Um, and then, you know, there's stepping in the, you know, the, the, the blue cheese dressing sick on the floor, which happened one to me, uh, one time to me, <laughs> um, because, you know, it's, it's anything can happen. You're in a tiny space and you got, you got, you got people having a good time. So it's, um, it was just a great experience. <laughs> Yeah, that's, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I, it's totally that way. And yeah, it's just, it's such a fun environment. I just always tell like any artist, if you have the opportunity, take it to do a show like Sinzani's. Like I said, there's a lot of offshoots of the concept of Sinzani, like the Palazzo and the dinner theater, dinner variety experience. And it's such a different mm-hmm. feel when you have such a small cast and you have different characters and you're playing these roles and you have so much interaction with the audience i've had like just the like the funnest experiences doing the craziest things with audiences and being able to like get away with them because in that environment it feels like you can get away with almost anything (laughs) and it's like it's it's yeah more intimate but there's also like like a like a to me i mean to me tent shows in general are just magic because it's like out of nothing we'll put up a few walls and let's make magic together and it's just it blows my mind i love it even like bigger tent shows i just you know i'll, I'll cry in most of them because it's just so awesome but then you get a show like Zin, like zanzani or in like a little little um uh a little spiegel tent like that and um it's just it, it, it it's just so unique because it's like it almost feels like a bad, i'm back in high school drama or something and you're like these are all your friends around and you're just improving with them because, and, and like, you know, the, the lights, the lights can't, they can't be as fancy as like a big stage production. So it really, to me, feels like here are just a few little people and we're just going to play together and let's see what happens. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, I love it too. I, I so love it. And I, I can't wait for, you know, all of those shows in that way to be able to come back because there's, there's something so unique about the dinner theater show experience for me in terms of just how long even the show is. And like you said, mm-hmm. to the improvisation of it, I've just come to so many different places as an artist that um, I never thought were capable while doing dinner theater too. And I've had moments where I have sang mostly in group numbers, but but, you know, nice. I kind of tried to step out on, on my own uh, a few times, but maybe, yes, maybe in the future, nice. <laughs> <laughs> maybe in the future. Yeah. I, 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 lo- I love all those attributes. And I, and I think that too, it's like what you said, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like high school musical. It's almost kind of like doing an episode of Glee. <laughs> I, I, I know it's just, it's just so small. It's so special. It really is. 
Yeah. And being able to work with those minds, somebody like Norm, who, you know, is, is a part of a, of a time. I think that, you know, you're fortunate when you're fortunate to work with someone who has been around that long and who was a part of creating a lot of these environments, you know, he was a part mm -hmm. of those movements. And, you know, he's also to really tried to bring the dinner theater market more to America because I've always felt that is something more that we're lacking and they've done it in different parts and in different um, in different ways and they've also kept Sinzani small which I felt is really brilliant too because they're able to maintain like the culture and um, the quality and all those mm -hmm. different textures that go into a smaller like show production as well so that's also been something that I think is really beautiful to see um, in terms of, you know, quality over, over, you know, a lot of expansion, being able to control things, but Norm actually being there and being in on all of the creative process. I think that's also too very special. And just let you all know, Norm is quite a presence. He's, he's got this beard. He's got this beautiful, like, my hair he is he's got this very deep crimson voice that's you know sounds like he's been i don't know drinking whiskey or doing something with that voice i mean it's, <laughs> it's kind of otherworldly it's it's very movie like the kind yeah, of you know he's, he's, he's a character the character he's a character and i remember like it's it's when i think of zanzani i get this like funny like bittersweet sinking feeling in my chest just because like when I went in there for my audition, like, yeah, you walk in and then you see Norm and he's just like, he's Norm, you know, which is awesome. And then you're in this like little tent with these pillars and these, it just, it feels otherworldly to me. Um, yeah, he, yeah, he's, he's, he's quite a character. He's such a lovely man. Between him and Veronin, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually never worked with Veronin personally. I, I've been in a cast that um, had like a week of overlap, but uh yeah, he's 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 hilarious. He's another otherworldly character where you yeah, literally yeah. forget that you are in like you're like not in a movie. He literally transports you. He's got such a show in such a way. To me, he's also too. He's oh, been yeah. able to like I don't know, kind of like organically like reincarnate himself into like all of these like present day experiences. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, I you know what? Too um, can I please share with you one more thing? Yes. So Zinzani, it's like. So I got there and they hired me and I'm super excited, right? But like, this is the first small show I've done. I've done The Rev and I've done, you know, I've done, I guess I, I, I'd done The Rev and then I'd gigged around, but like nothing this, I suppose, intimate or nothing like this. So I get there and like, I meet Sam and Sandra. Do you, do you know Sam and Sandra? I don't think so. Sandra Foisy and Sam Payne. So I, I meet them and they're just these lovely people. And, and you know, I, I find that my husband actually knew them from the San Francisco Circus School. And then, and then I see their act and I was just like, dude, what am I doing here? Like their act is <laughs> perfect. And so come to find out they'd actually, they won the, the Cirque du Demain, I think, um, with this act that's called Vertical Tango. And for all of you. Oh yes. Vertical Tango. Sorry. Yes. For all you, you got to look it up if you haven't, but it's just, um, it's just spectacular. So I'm like, wait how like how am i working with you guys hello <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> i met I, I met them and they too um i think were they in no they were in nouvelle x i think i don't know if they were in mystere but anyway so just they added they definitely added to the otherworldliness of it because then they're like oh yeah this is our act and it's won this and it's been around for like this many years and i'm like dude you guys are legends like what am i doing here <laughs> um yeah it, it is a very special place in zani with a lot of a lot of interesting, beautiful characters and crazy accomplished 
accomplished people. Yes, it's always like a really diverse, interesting, beautiful cast. And yes, I do know them. Sometimes I know the act name, but I forget the people's names, which I know yeah. we all kind of go in and out of that where people like, you know, an act comes to your mind and it's like, oh yeah, I know them by their act name. So yes, it's, it's totally. Sandra. And yes, um, yes. So and it's like, you don't get much nicer than Sam and Sandra. They're just so lovely. Um, but yeah, they're over in they're over in the East Coast right now, over in in Brattleboro, I think. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Well, that's a special story, and I'm so thank you for sharing that. You're so funny. <laughs> you're so you're 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 so brilliant. But you know, I also think that that speaks to which is which is also a good thing to add is that different aspects of your act live in different spaces differently, and I think that that's what's so amazing about going into different shows and doing different things, and mm -hmm. also do crafting your performance for certain environments specifically. There is, you know, something really 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 um brilliant about that because you know some acts can't live everywhere some acts are perfect in some environments and that's True. okay and you know there's i have such an appreciation for that i think sometimes there's people that have created artists that have created acts that are so masterful where it's like wow i couldn't imagine that act in any other space and, mm -hmm. that, and i'm saying that in the most honorable way because to me that Definitely. is that is such an art and such a talent but you're really funny um, no, that, in seeing yourself in that way <laughs> no, that, that's a that's a really that's a really good point because like like i mean look at mystere it's like the space is huge it seats like 1600 people or whatever and it's like to make you know to make handstands handstands exciting they put them like 40 feet up in the air you know um so it's like like the act that i did at, at zenzoni like it it wouldn't it just wouldn't work it, it, it's too it's too far away i feel like um but it's yeah but there's there's some uh, to come back to the the special space type thing of like a smaller venue like Zanzani, it's like like Sam and Sandra's act. It's like it filled up the space. Like for me, it's like they raised the little turntable four feet, and it's like it just it works, you know. And it's 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 a very good point what you said about how certain acts are kind of just made to just thrive in certain certain environments. Yeah, and I'll never forget when I first went to Zanzani. And um, Bianca Cepetto, who is the has been the resident aerial aerialist there for for many, uh -huh. many years, she's she's beautiful. And the first time she um, did a drop, and literally her tissue like cascaded over us while we were like drinking wine it was just <laughs> you know it was so, just everything. I was so like magical. <laughs> <laughs> It was so magical. She had this red, crimson, red tissue, and it just like flooded the table. And she just looked down and was like, "Hey, hey, how you doing?" <laughs> oh wow, that's that's such a beautiful. Like I can just see it, and it's like like you literally you're in it. Like like there's yes. no like sense of separation. No, That's no, so she great. was so the table. The table was her tissue. The tissue was her was, was the tissue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I am part of your act right now. You're doing great, girl. <laughs> you know? That's that awesome. amazing. I love it. I love it. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you so much, Chris, for coming on to the show. You are just a phenomenal human being. You're a phenomenal artist. There's so much to learn from you, so much to be inspired by you. Um, I, I am so um, honored to know you from way back when and then to see your journey um, into all the beautiful spheres that you've worked in now and that you've performed. 
informed in now. And you, yeah, you're just such a light. You have such a beautiful perspective on life. And thank you so much for taking the time. And I look forward to everything that happens for you moving forward. I can't wait for you to be back on the stage when that time is right. And I hope that you continue to enjoy your time with your ukulele. And oh, I, oh, I will. Oh, I will. <laughs> and different facets and exploring yourself as an artist, as a person. You're just lovely. I had so much fun talking with you. And I know that everybody listening to this is just going to have like a wonderful and laugh out loud time listening to you describe. Aww. Thanks, yeah, it's, it's been awesome. It's been awesome. Thanks for having me. And, uh, and, uh, and once again, like there's like, I might not be here if, if not for you, to be honest, like you were, I used to go home from tumbling and I used to fast forward when, you know, we still had to meet at the same spot. I'd fast forward to the acro, acro parts. And like, I kind of like, you're kind of why I wanted to learn a one-arm handstand, which kind of got stuff started for me. So, so thank you for that. And it's, you know, it's, it's always, I think it's always um, a beautiful thing to remind ourselves that we're all like connected in one way or another, you know? Um, but yeah, anyway, long story short, you're amazing too. And, uh, and thank you for having me. And uh, and she, this girl, made some big waves when she was doing triple off of a <laughs> triple off of one person. <laughs> I mean, it's just incredible. And like before YouTube, but it was like, wait, what? Wait, stop, stop it right now. She did three. Anyway, so <laughs> I, I thank you for your contribution and thanks for having me. And it's been lovely uh, catching up with you. Thank you so much. Thank you for everything that you say. Thank you. I feel very honored and thank you so much. That means so much to me, Chris, in so many ways. Thank you. I wanted to end this episode of the Live Like an Acrobat podcast by sharing an inspiring story that mimics in some ways that of my guest, Chris Fees. Former Canadian gymnast Taylor Lindsay Noel at 14 was once on track to becoming an Olympian when she tragically took a spill that left her paralyzed and quadriplegic. In the 12 year journey since she became a quadriplegic, she's discovered she also has a strong sense of resilience and used that energy to develop her own high-end tea brand, affectionately branded a cup of tay, which was recently named as one of Oprah's favorite things. In her own words about her success, Taylor proclaims, My story demonstrates the power of community and what can happen when people are supported by the love of friends, family, and strangers. There's life after tragedy, she says. I'm hoping to break other glass ceilings. I'm a female, black, disabled, small business owner, and I'm still here. No is not a real word in the capacity of your life. Taylor is nothing short of a miracle in all ways. And may her passion for beginning again and never giving up on the redirection of your dreams guide you. And don't forget to purchase a cup of tea. Live Like an Acrobat podcast is also available on Circus Talk, the inclusive, independent, and international online network for the circus industry. Circus Talk's mission is to create a level playing field for this industry and democratize access to information. 
please consider subscribing to the Live Like an Acrobat podcast and to the circuspreneurblog.com where you will find extended conversations and interactive content of each episode of the Live Like an Acrobat podcast. I'm your host, Shanae Stiletto, and until next time, please stay safe and stay healthy.